well, probably the greatest theologian of the church is, how am I going to finish that sentence? St. Augustine is probably most famous for this, saying, you have made us for yourself, and our hearts are restless till they find their rest in you. This, this restlessness was something that Augustine knew from personal experience. For years, he ran from God. He looked for satisfaction in all the wrong places. And his autobiography, Confessions, it tells of his journey into the far country and his wonderful return home. But unlike the prodigal in Luke chapter 15, it was his mother who was waiting for him. Her name was Monica, and she had prayed and longed and believed that her son would one day return. Augustine put it this way, my mother placed great hope in God. She was in greater labor to ensure my salvation than she had been at my birth. Someone once said that every Christian has God as his father and the church as his mother or her mother. And the church is a place Christians are normally matured, nurtured as believers, isn't it? Some of us, though, like Augustine, may have had the experience of running from two mothers, running from our spiritual mother, the church, running from our physical mother too. I think the author of Proverbs chapter 31, he would have understood Augustine's story. And I think he would have appreciated Monica as well. Why do I say that? Well, if you look at the opening verse of chapter 31, you'll see it's a kind of title. It highlights that this chapter is the last of seven collections of Proverbs in this book, the words of King Lemuel, an oracle that his mother taught him. One of the things we've seen about Proverbs, it's, it's got a family feel, hasn't it? The, the wisdom in this book has been passed on through generations. It's not just a matter of intellect or IQ. And in this chapter, a king is passing on wisdom he has received from his mother. He's speaking, and yet his words, they're all borrowed words. And to help us listen tonight, I've got two main points. The first thing Lemuel wants us to know is what his mother said about the way he leads. The way he leads. That's verses 1 to 9. Now, the name Lemuel, it's not mentioned uh, anywhere else in the Old Testament. So there's been lots of, uh, I guess, speculation about who this guy is. Uh, some people think he was Solomon. Uh, some think somebody else. Maybe he's, uh, I don't know, in disguise here. And yet, whoever he is, it's clear he was really important. And it's also clear that he was someone who had been in trouble. See that in verse 2. Look at how the verse begins. Three times his mother basically says to him, what are you playing at? As we look at verse 2, maybe you can see the kind of deep bond between mother and son. He's a grown man. Maybe he's got, I don't know, kids of his own. And yet he's still her son. He's still the son of her womb. That's how mothers feel, isn't it? Actually, it goes back even further than that. Notice the word vow. Remember um, how Hannah prayed for, 
for Samuel and, and dedicated him to God. It's similar to this. And so it all boils down to this. Mum prayed for him before she conceived. Mum carried him in her womb. Mum no doubt sang to him. And then she gave birth to him. And so he better keep the second half of the fifth commandment and listen and show her some respect. That might be something we we all need to chew on this evening. Whatever age we are, we owe our mothers a debt, don't we? But what did this mother say to this king? I think we could sum it up in this phrase. Here it is. Son, if you... If you can't lead yourself, you can't lead others. If you can't lead yourself, you can't lead others. It's true, isn't it? If we lack self-control, if we, we can't control the one person we see in the mirror, if we don't have our, our appetites in check, we will never be able to lead. First thing this mother speaks about, though, is surprising. It's sex. She's not naive. She's not embarrassed to do so. In verse 3, she speaks as a woman about certain types of women. How this king might be, might be tempted to, to treat those women, respond to those women. Actually, I think this really helps us when we, we get to verses 10 to 31, verses that are often really controversial, aren't they? A woman is speaking here primarily, and she is telling her son about some of those who have two X chromosomes. In verse 3, we hear the warning she gives, do not give your strength to women, your ways to those who destroy kings. She's doing here is reminding her son of Deuteronomy chapter 17. Near the end of that chapter, Moses lays down the law to God's people about the kind of king they should look to appoint. He says he is to be devoted, this king, to God's word, carrying around his own copy of the law. He's not to consider himself better than his fellow Israelites, this king. And then in Deuteronomy 17, verse 17, we read this He must not take many wives for his heart will be led astray. This is what happened to Solomon, isn't it? He he married many women from foreign lands. And not surprisingly, sex and spirituality got all mixed up. Solomon was led astray. Despite a great start, despite a wise start, he made God angry, and the kingdom was torn from the hand of his son. See, sex complicates things. It's a good gift from God. It's reserved for covenant marriage between a man and a woman. Outside marriage, it is a compromise. And it often gives birth to more compromise, doesn't it? So too can alcohol. In verse 4, Lemuel recounts his mother's advice to avoid wine and strong drink. Alcohol is something Christians are, are free to disagree on. The Westminster Confession says this, God alone is Lord of the conscience. Alcohol is not, not forbidden in the rest of Scripture. In fact, it's often described in positive terms, isn't it? 
That means it's probably right. See verse 4, not as a, a prohibition for all people, but a reminder that some people have a special duty to take care. It's especially true, especially important for those in Christian leadership. Paul spells it out in 1 Timothy chapter 3 and Titus 1. Elders and deacons are not to be given to drunkenness. They're not to, to be lovers of much wine. And it's pretty clear, isn't it? If you look at the verses for Lemuel, the danger was that a hangover could lead him to forget all his responsibilities, forget the difference between right and wrong. Danger of the brain fog that excessive alcohol can produce for this man was that other people might suffer. You see this in, in verse 5. It's a reminder that sin has got consequences for others always, hasn't it? Sin is never just an individual affair. This sin could lead Lemuel to to forget the very people he was called to love and to lead. I think his mother kind of uses a bit of a, a play on words here, doesn't she? She says that instead of opening his mouth... And drinking to excess, he was to open it to, to protect, to defend those who couldn't speak, the afflicted, verse 5, those in distress, verse 6, people whose lives would be marked by misery and poverty, the poor, the needy, the destitute. See, unlike Lemuel, with all the privileges of a kingdom, people like that had lives that were truly difficult. They needed someone to speak up for them. I think that's why Lemuel's mother gives the advice she does in verses 6 and 7. Let them drink and forget their trouble. See, in one sense, it's understandable, isn't it? When, when people in real distress, understandable, maybe I would say not excusable, people like that find comfort in a bottle. But Lemuel was not to behave that way. He was to be sober-minded. And in calling her son to, to defend the needy, Lemuel's mother was calling him to treat people the way God treats us. Mentioned that Kieran is going to be uh, preaching next Sunday evening, and he's going to preach from Psalm 113. Maybe you know... These words from that psalm, speaking of God, the psalmist says he raises the poor from the dust and lifts the needy from the ash heap. It's the kind of king that Lemuel was supposed to be. And yet it's really hard to do that, isn't it, when you're blazing drunk? Or it's hard to do that too when you're just mildly inebriated true king grasps his responsibility to serve the weak. And Jesus is the kind of king who is like that, isn't he? Jesus is the kind of king who associates, who helps people like that. In fact, as one of the commentators, Charles Bridges, he, he points out, he, he became like that too. You see, what do we read of Jesus in Isaiah 53, we read that he was oppressed, he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. He was 
like a lamb led to the slaughter. Yet now as the risen, the ascended king, Jesus, he, he prays for his suffering flock, doesn't he? Listen to Bridges. Let his representatives on earth study the character of their king in heaven and be conformed more fully to his image of forgiveness and love. This is the way that this king was called to lead. But as we move from uh, verses 1 to 9 to 10 to the end, there's a change in topic. Lemuel tells us not just about the marital advice his mother gave him. Verses 1 to 9 talk about the way he leads. 10 to 31 tell us about the wife he needs. The wife he needs. Now I'm going to coin a little phrase this evening. I'm going to call this passage an REP. Okay? Uh, a raised eyebrows passage. These verses, they've caused a lot of controversy, haven't they? Part of it has to do with the, the identity of the woman, just as there has been a speculation about, about who Lemuel was. Well, the same is true for this woman, the wife of noble character. Some people say that what's going on here is, is just similar to you know, chapters 8 and 9 where, where wisdom is personified as a woman and folly as well. And it's true that there are things said of this woman that are said of Lady Wisdom as well. Like her, the woman in Proverbs 31, she's worth more than rubies. She, she provides for her household. She's the kind of woman that, that speaks words of faithful instruction and I think one of the reasons people think these verses are, are just a, a personification of wisdom is that they think the woman in our verses, she seems to set a kind of impossible standard, don't they? She's doing so much, and she's doing it so well. Well, it might be that what's described is the work of a week rather than a day, but there are plenty women I know whose lives are as busy as this. And I'm not going to stand up here and be the man who says that a woman isn't capable of all of this. If you disagree, come and fight with me afterwards. Is this woman really different to somebody like Ruth or Lydia or other women in Scripture? Is she really different? Andy mentioned this morning, anonymous Iowan farm wives. Is she really any different to one of them? Are there not marriages that you know that feel a bit like this? If you were to write down all the responsibilities you have, if you're a woman here this evening, would they, would they be any less than this? See, the slight spanner in the works for the view that this is not meant to represent a real woman is that every time the word woman is used in Proverbs, it is actually used of a real woman. And so instead, I'm persuaded, having done a little bit of reading this week, that what we have here is a kind of idealized portrait of a godly and wise woman. What I mean by that is that, that her very best qualities 
are being highlighted here. No woman, no, no man is perfect. There's one uh, author I, I, I listened to this week on this passage. He, he points out there, there's no mention of this woman's sins here. She had them. She's a real human being. Instead, Lemuel's mother is making a point. See, mothers want what's best for their sons, don't they? But sons don't always know what's best for them. That's true at 9 or 19 or 39. Boys will be boys. And sometimes to help them grow up and become men, what boys need is their mother's perspective. And this is especially true when it comes to thinking about marriage. What kind of person do you want to marry? What kind of person are you becoming? Those are the kind of questions every person who wants to be married has to answer, isn't it? Whatever sex they are, whatever stage of life they are, And as we turn to these verses, one of the things we miss in our translation is that this is an acrostic. Some of the Psalms are like this. What that that means is that every verse begins with a a consecutive letter from the Hebrew alphabet. We call it an A to Z or an A to Z. What that means is great care has been taken in putting this account together. Exactly the right words have had to be chosen. As we look at these verses at 10 to 31, I want to I want to pick out five things, five qualities of this godly and wise woman, remembering that no woman is perfect and highlighting the good that we see here. First thing we see is her value. Look at verse 10, an excellent wife who can find. She is far more precious than jewels. One of the things Lemuel had learned from his mother was that some things in life are worth more than money. Do you believe that this evening? The right spouse is one of those things. See, I said last week there are, there are people you and I cannot be friends with. We cannot be friends with the jealous person. We cannot really be friends with a fool. And what's true of friendship is even more true in marriage. You see, if the heart of this woman's husband trusts in her, if she's going to be the kind of wife who will bring him gain, verse 11, then that means the opposite can be true too, doesn't it? That means there are people you shouldn't marry. There are people that can do you harm. But an excellent wife, she does a man good and not harm all the days of her life. Tonight, if you have a a wife like that, and I think I can say if you have a husband like that, then you should thank God, shouldn't you? Her value. Second mark of a, a godly, a wise woman is her industry her industry. I think it's clear that the the women in our verses, she's something of a businesswoman, isn't she? Um, I mentioned Lydia earlier on, and I suspect Lydia was a lot like this. She has a life inside the home, 
and she has a life outside of the home. Look at all she does. She, she makes purchases, verse 13. She works hard, verses 14 and 15. One of the signs that her husband trusts her is that she makes big financial decisions, verse 16. She considers a field and buys it. With the fruit of her hands, she plants a vineyard. A few weeks ago, I said that a vineyard, it's more than a garden, isn't it? A vineyard is something that can, can give a family a kind of solid financial future. And I don't think verse 16 means that she did all the hard work involved in herself, because a vineyard can be a means of employing people, can't it? Doing good to, to a community. This woman was like that. She did that. It's also important to say that not every woman will be in this woman's economic situation. She's clearly a woman of status. She has maids, verse 15. We would call them staff, I guess. But whatever our age, whatever our sex, whatever our income, you and I can learn from this woman, can't we? See, all through the book of Proverbs, laziness is condemned. Let's think about uh, First and Second Thessalonians. We looked at those letters not long ago. And throughout the New Testament, we see this kind of thing. You and I are called to make every effort. We're called to offer our bodies as living sacrifices. We're called to do all we can for the good of others. We're called to, to maximize the gifts that God has given us. And this woman, she models that attitude. Before we move on, though, notice one little last detail here. Look at the, the lamp. As Lemuel's mother describes a, a godly woman. She sa- he says, or she says rather, that her lamp does not go out at night, verse 18. Some think this is just a reference to her, I don't know, staying up really late. The problem with that interpretation is that Scripture doesn't really have a positive view, does it, of of being the kind of person who burns the candle at both ends. You and I need to rest. If we get up early, we need to go to bed early. Instead, others suggest it points to something else. Her lamp does not go out at night because she's not counting the pennies. She's worked hard, and so her lamp doesn't need to go out at night. The lamp was a sign of life and prosperity. If you saw a lamp on inside or or outside a house, you knew you were looking at a happy and settled home. Maybe that little detail, it, it kind of corrects the view that some people have that this woman was just the kind of person who was burning herself into the ground. No. Lemuel's mother describes the kind of wife she wants for him, though. She also highlights something else. She highlights her care. Her care. A wise and godly woman is the kind of woman who has open hands. Look at verse 20. She, she opens her hands to the poor reaches out her hands to the needy. Here's a woman who has real wealth, and yet she uses it, she uses whatever she has to bless others. She's a woman with means, 
And yet she doesn't keep those means all to herself. She doesn't spend them all on herself. That's the kind of character a young man should look for in a wife. And I think we could say that's the same kind of thing about a young woman looking for a husband, couldn't we? Are you, as you think about marriage, do you want to marry a caring person, a kind person, this kind of person? You should. See, the woman we meet in Proverbs 31, she's the kind of person who who doesn't want others to get a chill. She makes sure her household have all the right clothes to wear, verse 21. But there's a fourth thing. I wonder, did you hear her laugh? Lemuel's mother points this out in verse 24. Strength and dignity are her clothing, and she laughs at the time to come. Now, of course, there are lots of different types of laughter, aren't they? There's uh, cynical laughter. There's mocking laughter. Well, this woman's not like that. Her laugh is joyful. Her laugh is confident. Here's a woman who has confidence. She looks at the future. She knows it's in God's hands, and so she's able to laugh. She can enjoy life, even though she knows there'll be good days and bad days. And laughter is not the only thing we hear from her mouth. She has words of wisdom, words of kindness to share with anyone who will listen. So here is an an idealized picture of a godly woman. She's a woman of value, a woman of industry, a woman of care, a woman who laughs. All of this leads to the fifth, the final point, her praise, her praise. I love verse 28. In, it, in that verse, we see it's as if her whole family gathers round this woman, and then her husband leads the tribute. Many women have done excellently, but you surpass them all. Here's a man who knows that, that God has been good to him. And so he lifts his voice to celebrate his wife. Husbands, take note. The praise doesn't end there, does it? She is also praised at the city gates. This was the place her husband had been known in verse 23. This was the place really important decisions were made in the community. This, this woman is respected there. But what is she praised for? She's praised for her posture, her attitude to God. Charm is deceitful. Beauty is vain. Lemuel, don't run after those kind of things when you're looking for a wife. Run after this. A woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. Maybe as you hear those words, you can, you can see that the book of Proverbs, it ends where it began. Because the motto that runs all through this book, what is it? The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. So a king and his bride 
That's what Proverbs 31 is all about. It's, it's about a royal marriage. And yet that's what the whole Bible is about, isn't it? In fact, just think of these two questions. Why did history begin? And where is history going? One of the reasons for the whole of human history is because God the Father wants a bride. Wants a bride for his son. The church's one foundation is Jesus Christ, her Lord. He is the faithful husband. He is the faithful bridegroom. And you and I tonight, we are his bride. In his eyes, we are flawless. We are spotless. Because he is the one who has dealt with our sin once and for all. One day, you and I, we will enjoy life in his presence. One day, we will be at the great wedding supper of the Lamb. And so tonight, friends, fix your eyes on your king. From heaven, he came and sought her to be his holy bride. With his own blood, he bought her. And for her life, he died. Well, let's pray together.